Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 64. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. We're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's movie and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our pasts. Each time, one of us gets to be the selector. Mm-hmm. Notice the yes. enunciation, pronunciation. Like director, yes. Yes. Uh, one of us chooses a movie, TV show, or media property. The other one watches, maybe for the first time, often for the first time, and then we unpack it all here together for you. Yes. It is not my turn tonight. No. It is someone else's turn tonight. I give you my cat, Callie. No. I give you Ashley and her choice. So I chose a movie from my childhood, which it's a bit of a guilty pleasure, uh, but I think it's pretty pleasurable in a weird kind of way. Uh, it is 1991 movie with Christina Applegate, Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead. <laughs> At least it's not Married with Children, the television series. You know, I wasn't allowed to watch that when I was a kid. I was allowed to watch that, but I didn't want to. Yeah. I wasn't a kid. Yeah. I got to choose. I, th- I think pretty much for a time, all of Fox News... Uh, I mean, not Fox News. Well, Fox... Back then, Fox, Fox News didn't I mean Fox. Yeah. Fox Television. I wasn't allowed to That's watch... That's what I was trying to say. I mean, other than The Simpsons, I think, which even that, my mom was kind of like, mm, The Simpsons. Once upon a time, Fox was... Three shows. Yeah. The Tracy Ullman show, Mm -hmm. The Simpsons, and Married with Children. Yeah. And then 21 Jump Street, Oh, interesting. Possibly. Johnny Depp, all that. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. (laughs) Why did you choose, uh, Honey, I Don't Want to Tell Mom That the Baby... No, that's not Yeah, it does sound like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, or, um... There was another movie that came to my mind when I thought of the title. It's just one of those, uh, well, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, you know, which is actually directed by the same director. We were going for longer titles. Longer titles titles from 90s movies, I guess. We were going for dialogue pull quote titles or something. Uh, Well, interestingly, I just read this. It was originally going to be entitled The Real World... But they had to change the name. I don't understand name. why that's problematic. They had to change it right before it was released because MTV's show was coming out the same time. I know. The first season of So the that Real I World. watched. Yeah. <laughs> I probably watched The Real World. Was that one in New York? Pretty, the first, the first one was one's New, New York, York City. Okay. <laughs> yep. I must, I, I'm sure I watched the first four or five seasons straight. Yeah. Yeah. So I chose this one because we were watching a new show. I was just tired of re-watching the same old comfort shows that we've been watching. So I was like, let's watch something new. So we started watching Dead Sorry, to Me. Sorry, Joss Whedon. Yes. <laughs> the shows of Joss Whedon for comfort. Um, uh, so we were watching Dead to Me, which has uh, uh, Christina Applegate and Linda Cardinelli as the two leads in that show. I would watch Untitled Linda Cardinelli, uh, Christina Applegate series without sight unseen. (laughs) They just, well, to me, like, I just love their voices. Like, both of them. I think they have great voices. Like, Christina Applegate's got this sort of, like, huskier sounding voice. And then Linda Cardinelli's got this... She has that scratchy sort of... And then Linda Cardinelli has this sort of bright, kind of, up at the end, kind of 
way she speaks. So, anyway. These are remarkable actresses, and we yeah. enjoy the work that they do. <laughs> so, I asked if you had seen that movie, because for some reason it's like something that sticks with me, and I don't quite know why. Um, but it's like a movie that I always enjoyed watching and that I've seen multiple times. I mean, I would not have seen it in 1991. I really... So now I'm curious, so when do you think you saw it? It must have been either we rented it at the movie theater, because, I mean, sorry, no, the movie store, the video rental place, Video Gigante. Um, actually, probably would have been Mr. K's, which was the convenience store, because that's where we usually rented our movies until Video Gigante opened. Um, but, um, not Kensington video in San Diego, no, Le <laughs> video in San Francisco, Mr. Mr. Kim, Mr. K's is the name of the, I used to do Kim's video in New York. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I remember the poster. I mean, like it's a pretty iconic poster. There's like the kids are sitting on the porch of this house or standing on the porch of this house. And there's like the shot is through the feet of the dead babysitter. You know, which is not a shot that actually happened in the movie, but it's just, a, it's an effective poster. Um, <laughs> so, and then I've probably seen it a bunch. They probably showed it on MTV all the time or um, TBS or whatever. So I've, I've probably just like casual Saturday USA. afternoon. Yeah. Well, it's, it does, TNT. it does seem like a USA kind of thing. Um, but I mean, we watched it, um, on Saturday afternoon, which is when you watch this sort of thing. It's not like a, like, sit down with the family and watch kind of movie. It's kind of like a casual, yeah. you know. I don't know. It's just, it just always, for something about it. I mean, maybe we can unpack that some. But there's something about it that I find interesting all these years later. <laughs> so, Dave, why have you never seen Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead? Let's unpack that a little bit. <laughs> So 1991, by the time this came out, I was already a rather pretentious Mm -hmm. motherfucker. Yeah. (laughs) To put it bluntly. And I think that I had lost some of the casual joy of just watching funny whatever's on kind of movies and was full on in film school and like just like trying to watch Peter Greenaway movies (laughs) or something something like that. I don't know. So I I was not 10 years old. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like 20 years old and in a different place. And, um, and I also had negative associations with Christina Applegate for, um, married with children and nothing about her specifically, but the show, tainted her yeah and so i just want to say i'm if you're like a big married with children fan i don't know if you've even ever seen it have you ever seen this I've show i've seen enough i mean like it was like enough of a a taboo in my house yeah. that like i would sneak watching sure. a little bit because i wanted to know why my mom was so anti so i don't really have anything like against it it's just not for me yeah it wasn't the kind of humor that i was into at the time yeah I did like The Simpsons, yeah, you know, but um, to me, it was like, I still actually have a problem with this. And sometimes we, we run up against yeah. it a little bit. You're always pushing my boundaries a little bit with <laughs> um, comedies about toxic people. Yeah, yeah. And so Married with Children, the TV show for me, it's, um, it's, 
they're so awful. Like yeah. I and so just watching maybe I probably gave it the chance of watching an episode or two and just in passing. Yeah. So I've never really watched it, but I didn't like the dad who's sitting around drinking mm-hmm. beer and scratching his belly. I didn't like the mom with the beehive hairdo who's obsessed with sex and complains about everything. I didn't like the hormonal, snarky, narcissistic teenagers. Yeah. I mean, I have hormonal, snarky teenage. No, they're not that bad. <laughs> Nobody's as bad as that. But um, uh, so my only knowledge of Christina Applegate was that show. I mean, that made her a star. That was the first thing that I recall ever seeing her in. And so then you take what you call the iconic poster for this in the title of the movie. And I instantly lump it together with a whole bunch of things in a negative way. Yeah. Like, so I didn't even see home alone back then. Yeah. So it looks like a home alone kind of, um, I can't think of, I can't even think of what it is. It just looks like one of those, any number of kids go crazy, problem child. I mean, although these are older, you know what I mean? But that kind of like loud, obnoxious comedy. Yeah. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Like that's a probably a PG or a G movie, but I mean like the title, but it's just that kind of like gimmick Weekend at Bernie's, yeah. dead person. Yeah. So actually, I never knew anything about this movie other than the poster, Christina Applegate, the babysitter dies, they tell you in the title. And I went into this thinking it was a totally different movie than what it turned out to be. Which <laughs> it actually is very different made than you would expect. <laughs> really like it. Yeah. Because it completely subverted all of my expectations. I had no idea. This was not the movie I signed up for. Yeah. And um here in pandemic life 2020, I had a really good time with it. Yeah. And and also, like, it's it's like every once in a while we discover somebody who's been around forever that, and then you just suddenly really appreciate them. I really love this show we're watching, Dead to Me. Yeah. And I never knew Christina Applegate's work. I never knew she was so good. She's yeah. so good in that show. She is very and good. And the show is so well written and performed by the both of them. So... What a kick it's been to like see her now. I, is this current? Is it 2020, 2019-ish? I think last year was the first year. So this it's the second season just so came out. So what a trip and what a time yeah. warp to see the dramatic and black comedy work that she's doing there. But a yeah. lot of serious yeah. drama. She's lost her husband into a hit and run accident and you know all that. And then going back to she's 17 years old. She's in this movie. She's really good. Yeah. And like, this is somebody who's been around forever and I just never really got to see what they did. Yeah. It's... So, I mean, like, I want to say, I don't think it's a great movie. I think there's some things that are awkward about it. Oh, sure. You know, one thing that I noted when I'm watching this and like... it. In the in the meantime, I just read about this that they are doing a re like they're going to do a, a reboot. Um, I can't remember the writers Woodruff maybe. Anyway, two two and and it's going to be a more diverse cast than this cast. This cast is not very diverse. Um, but what I what I which I think is interesting. But what I noticed while I was watching it is that that 
because it's such a low budget movie, they don't have the budget for um, music, you know? So there's that one song, which I think is like probably the song they could afford, Mm -hmm. which is like a recognizable rock song, or maybe it's just a recognizable rock song. It's already gone in one of the areas. I don't remember what it was. Because I've seen this movie so many times, but I got to thinking like, she has this like, as a style, she has this real sort of like 90s, uh, heavy metal like Axl Rose kind of look that she's wearing with the scarves and the yeah. and I just think like if they were able to like supplement this with like an amazing like Guns and Roses Guns and Roses type sc- score I think that it would be really I mean like it would really up the level a little bit more you know well and it's natural too because her brother in the movie Kenny <laughs> is like a metalhead stoner yeah, yeah. type and <laughs> he would really enjoy that soundtrack but it's it's so interesting to me. So just a little bit about what the story is. It's a weird story. So that's the, what totally yeah, threw me off. The mom of this family, um, she's gotten divorced. Her husband is not in the picture anymore. She's got a boyfriend who's taking her to Australia for the summer. She's going to leave all five of her kids. She has five kids, and she's leaving <laughs> them for two months. Which like. I mean, like, granted, she probably needs a break, you know, raising five kids and like her house, I'm like, sorry, but like everything's a mess. Yeah. There's not a lot of parenting going on, in my it's, opinion. Being a single parent is really hard. And, you know, multiply that times five and, you know, um, you know, so so I, I mean, like, I completely understand that she needed a break. But she decides to just leave her kids for two months. <laughs> In the summer, just randomly, and she, even though her oldest daughter is, she's just graduated high school, and she has a son who's also in high school, um, she decides to hire a babysitter. Her twins. Yes. Are they? That's what the synopsis I read said. Oh, I didn't know that. Her twin brother, Kenny. I thought he was still finishing up school. I don't know. Okay, I thought he I'm not going to stand by that okay. as canon. I'm just saying. I don't. I don't recall. To me, it sounded like she had just graduated and he had a couple of years left. Well, I think he also keeps flunking. Probably. Oh, okay. Yeah. He probably has to redo. Because they did keep saying I need yeah, to yeah. finish up. He school. He has to finish up school. I think he's a little behind. So, but she decides they're not responsible enough to take care of the three younger children. So she hires a babysitter, and the babysitter is kind of a dick. <laughs> so the babysitter, this is the first thing that I know it's an easy bait and switch. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty low comedy, but it worked on me is that when, okay, they're horrified that they have a babysitter yeah. and that this babysitter is this like old lady. Yeah. But she comes in and, and greets the mom and meets the kids as a sort of like kindly Mrs. Doubtfire sort of yeah, type. Yeah. <laughs> the second the mom leaves, she channels like, you know, the devil. Well, I mean, she. to be fair, she does ask them to clean the house, which I think they should be doing. But <laughs> I'm also almost 40 now, yeah. so. <laughs> um, but then, like, you think that's going to be the central conflict. But then, like, out of nowhere, the babysitter just dies. She dies of heart failure, you know. <laughs> So that's the next thing that got me is the fact that the babysitter died and what to do about it actually doesn't plays out in like five minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's not what the movie's about. Yeah. So I always all these years, I thought this movie was about trying to keep it secret that the babysitter was nope. dead. And it's not <laughs> no, it's at not all. About that. It's not about that. It's literally just the setup for a completely different mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. It's actually more like working girl. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> it is more like Working Girl. Which is, I had no idea I didn't, anyway, sorry. Well, and I read that that it was partially inspired by Risky Business, which is funny. That's funny. Um, which also has a great score, by the way. Excellent use of Phil Collins. Yes, but if everybody <laughs> would stop doing satires of the scene with Tom uh, Cruise, like, in his underwear, dancing in the socks and sliding, yeah. I would be happy. If That's right. If we never right. have to see that again. <laughs> All right, duly noted. <laughs> so it it ends up like they find out that the money that their mother left for them for the two months that she's gone, um, it must have been on the body of the babysitter that they left at a morgue. Um, not a morgue, a funeral home. So they don't have any money for the summer. So she's they have someone has to get a job so that they can pay the bills and feed the kids and all of that stuff. So um, Christina Applegate, who had been planning, or Sue Ellen is her character's name, had been planning to spend her summer at the beach, has to get a job. <laughs> so first she tries to get a job at Clown Dog. She gets a job at Clown she Dog. Gets a, and it's it's awful, which like... Except she meets uh, one of the Dead so- Poet Society members. Oh, yes. What's that? Josh Charles. Name? Josh Charles, yeah. okay. Um, His character's name is... Um... Brian, I think. Yeah. And like for like a love interest in a movie, he's like really great. He's like he's he's not I mean, other than the weird argument that they have about insisting that he knows what she's doing during the day, like he's a pretty good guy. He's like I don't know. I mean, as far as as 90s love interests high school guys yeah, he's go. really not all that important in the scheme of things, though. They no, don't but they that have that really it. great conversation when he's taking her to look at the Grunions or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, they have this, like, <clears throat> great moment where they're under the boardwalk and they're having this whole conversation about, like, having being a teenager and having to decide what to do with the rest of your life when you're 18 years old. And it was it's just such a great, like, angsty teen. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> That scene made me feel weird now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he's right. It does feel like you've decided your whole life. Yeah. <laughs> but then I also wanted to tell them, you're not stuck with the decisions you make right when away you're necessarily. 18. Yeah. yeah. Even you, if you, you choose to, a major, you can you, still... <laughs> you can change your mind if you choose a, a major that you don't like. So anyway, she decides to get a job, an office job, which will not have her cleaning out vats of fat. Um, which, the fat vat. The fat vat. Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes to a, um, what she thinks I think is a high fashion place and is actually like, they design uniforms. Tell about the resume. <laughs> oh, she fakes a resume that she gets out of like some book from the library, I think. Yeah. yeah. One of those resume, resume example books. Well, just so like I, I'm reading it and like, I wouldn't have known anything back then, but I was reading it. In the brief amount that you can... Yeah. And the first entry on there is that she was, like, a fashion buyer for Calme du, Gar- Calme du Garcon, which is, like, a major, like, French fashion house. And, <laughs> and that's the first entry on her resume. So she mm-hmm. made this up. Um, and she's trying to get a receptionist job at this fashion place. And she just happens to run into the sort of... I don't know if she's an executive vice president or something like that. Um, Joanna Cassidy yeah, is the actress. Yeah. yeah she's she so good. Rose. Yeah. And um, she's looking for an executive assistant. Um, 
that the receptionist was actually supposed to, the actual receptionist that's trying to move up into this executive assistant, she was supposed to get that job, but... Nobody likes her. Nobody likes her because she's awful. Um, (laughs) And um, so she hires Sue Ellen sort of on the spot to be her executive assistant. Because she's way overqualified. Yes, to be a receptionist. 17-year-old who faked the resume. (laughs) And that's... And that's kind of where most of the story happens is sort of the drama in the office of her trying to cover up. And so <laughs> this movie set me up for it's one of those disaster of everything going wrong at home when the parental figures aren't there. It's like going to be like Mr. Mom kind of only teenagers who can't do anything. It's going to be trying to hide the body weekend at Bernie's. You're going to have to keep coming like people are going to be checking up on them all the time. They're going to have to keep it a secret that their parents are. None of that ever, nope. <laughs> ever plays out. Instead, it's about this kind of spoiled 17-year-old who's like, well, I mean, give her credit that yeah. she's like, I need to go get a job because we need money and we have to eat. Yeah. But, you know, she fakes her way into the corporate world and then um, rises her way up, I yeah. guess. So then it becomes that sort of coming of age, like how to succeed in advertising without really trying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like where she's complete outsider, fresh, unknown, doesn't shouldn't know anything, shouldn't know how to do anything, but the fact that she's an outsider actually is a benefit and she thinks outside of the box. And she's also completely unethical in lots of ways. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's the kind of thing that made this movie better for me. Yeah. Is that it's it rides this tension between just being like a Hollywood paint by number, like you can see exactly what it's going to do. But Sue Ellen, Christina Applegate, you know, doing well at this job, like doesn't rely on her immediately knowing how to do things or having like a fresh like attitude in the perspective of like a real person and, you know, a real teenage. Like she actually is like lies and it's completely unethical she immediately like starts embezzling the petty cash fund to like pave their bills and stuff like that like the choices she makes totally gonna pay it back though she's totally gonna that's what that's what they all say (laughs) yeah that's what i said no um well one thing that i think is adorable about this is she's like i'm totally gonna get over a thousand dollars and then she gets her actual check and there's this scene where she's like the government took half of it for taxes yeah. and 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 insurance or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a pension plan. <laughs> yeah, she got way less than she thought she yeah. was going to get. <laughs> so, yes, she does grow up during the mm. course of the movie, but it's funny because a lot of those initial successes are all due to like she gets some other woman there, someone lower down to do her work for her. The QED like, report. The QED report. <laughs> I don't, I can't, Which, I'm like, sorry. Are those... What's her name? Kimmy something or other. She played Lucy the secretary on Twin Peaks. Mm. Anyway, she happily does Sue, Sue, Sue Ellen. Sue Ellen. Sue Ellen's work for her. Yes. <laughs> and, what are um, they doing? I don't understand what the QED report is. Like. It looks like they just generated and formatted some inventory numbers or something or, or well, sales so numbers. I've never worked in an office like that. I've worked in academia my whole life. But I mean, like, do people have to re- produce? Uh, did people have to produce like reports that looked like 800 pages 
twice a week? Was that a thing that people had to do? I don't know. I don't think we're looking at this movie for absolute. <laughs> I I don't know. I just always veracity. wondered. Like I mean, like. I don't know. Like in office space, they have to turn in some sort of report. What is this report that everyone has to turn in every two weeks or whatever? <laughs> There's always reports. There's always faxing. Yeah. She had to learn how to use the fax machine. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> the petty cash thing. Yeah. Yes. Petty cash. So, Ellen, you have the key for petty cash. You can totally go in there when you need to whatever. So we've gotten this far, and we haven't even mentioned like the best character in the whole movie, which is this is, has to be is it David Duchovny? It is David Duchovny as the slimy so boyfriend. To can the I go on the record as saying if none of this sounds like something you want to see at all? <laughs> I turned to Ashley about thirty minutes into this movie, probably after the first time he appeared, and said, "This movie is worth it alone just for David Duchovny." Just for David Duchovny, yeah. <laughs> this has got to be before X Files. Or oh ninety one yeah or just as it's just about before this, just yeah. before yeah. yeah I think it came out around ninety three or something yeah. just around my last year in college. Explain David Duchovny. So he's wearing like you know like oversized. I mean I'll say Miami Vice because that's the sizing. But his he's dark. He's not wearing light colors. He's wearing no. dark. Color. He's got rolled his, up sleeves. Yeah, he's got his hair slicked back, but it's sometimes long. there's a little ponytail. Yeah, thing, there's a little like, ponytail. It's he just looks greasy. He looks physically. It's greasy. like '80s douche couture. Or something. Yeah, he's and he's just like there to be a creep. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, I forget what department he's in. He has to just come in every once in a while. Yeah. But then he starts scheming with the uh, secretary who was supposed to get the, the executive assistant job. Yeah. They're always trying to show her up. and I think they're dating, too, is the other thing. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but they're going to expose Sue Ellen. Sue yes. Ann. Sue Ellen? Sue, Sue Ellen. Ann. Yeah. Sue Ellen. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe I should just stick with Christina. Well, and Apple other Day. interesting thing is that the receptionist who forgive me i can't remember her name but carolyn who hates her from the very who hates sue ellen from the very beginning um she is the sister to the clown dog guy to the guy that sue ellen is dating yeah, which so is a weird i made a, i made a list on <laughs> on my notes and one was love it and the other is meh and one of the things i wrote for <laughs> meh was the fact that the boyfriend happened to be the brother of yeah his. It was it's just kind of weird dumb coincidences there to, was the, well that was the whole reason they had an argument too was because she doesn't want to say what she does because he would find out that he works, that her sister, that she's lying about. That she's the backstabber. Yeah. That her sister's yeah. upset about. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's also kind of, a, I wonder, it's, it's a weird age gap between him and his sister. Like, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it's not that weird. three or four years yeah, or something it's like just, that. Yeah, it's just a few years. She's early 20s, probably. But, I mean, and it's a long drive from the beach to... Um, to downtown LA. So like he's driving like 45 minutes to an hour to bring her corn dogs in the middle. Don't ever try to make the geography in movies work. (laughs) It doesn't work. Of course, I mean like where they live, like it's probably a three hour drive from downtown LA, but whatever. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about Gus, the boss's boyfriend. Oh yeah. So he's like, he's, he's like the, characteristic like 90s 
taking 90s, sexual advantage of predatory predatory 90s leering i'm just joking kind of thing unless you're into it in which case i'm not joking kind of he says that i know he says it <laughs> so he's dating rose but they're not in a committed relationship i guess so he's hitting on she wanted all to move the women. in with him she said but yeah he he wanted to keep things a little little casual yeah so he keeps trying to hit on sue ellen um you know of course he thinks she's 27 because that's what she said you know what she's presenting as does anyone ever say you look really young yeah no i don't know what you're talking about well and like there's this thing this i mean there's this imaginary world where on on the movies where like men are appalled when they find out that they've been secretly trying to date a seventeen year old, I don't think that that exists in the real world. People don't care. <laughs> I mean, like people care, but like I was don't think. Was there a scene I, where he was ever appalled? Yeah, like she when he finds out at the end that she was seventeen, like he's like, oh, like you know, and I don't think that men like that care. I don't think I think they're I don't think fine he really with cared. it. I yeah. think he was I think he yeah. probably was secretly like, oh nice. Yeah, That's yeah. cool. I had a shot with her. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. So yeah, it's that's a little uncomfortable because like I thought that I guess when I was younger I was unaware of thing of how the world worked. And I I thought that that was a funny not funny, but like a I don't know. My my perspective on that so has you, changed a lot. It's been it's like it's scary, it's creepier, it's it's more awful now than it was. It's creepy now, whereas before it probably would have played more like just sitcom style yeah. antics, right? Yeah. But now oh, like that's just, just boss that happens him, all the time. Her yeah. and, like, but, and that that kind of thing could ruin her career. I mean, like if she wasn't just doing this for the summer for two months. We don't live in that real world in this yeah, movie. Yeah, women's lives actually get ruined by situations like that, you know, and it sucks. Um, sorry. Well, that's another <laughs> thing because at a certain point towards the end, she she tells her boss that he's been hitting on me the whole time. Yeah, and the boss immediately sides with her and and. I don't think that would necessarily play out that way. That was a little too easy. Yeah. She didn't get any of the blame for that. And and sometimes the, the defensiveness and the upset of that situation could make her fire the person yeah. that the guy is attracted to. Or, well, you know. so one thing I love about this movie is the relationship between Rose and Sue Ellen. Because, like... Rose has, like, Sue Ellen's back the whole time. She's Whether or not she knows what she's doing. I mean, like, she's the kind of female boss that wants to be your mentor, that wants to um, support you and encourage your ideas and, you know, give you what you need to be successful and trust you and believe you and recognize your talent. And that's exactly the... I mean, like, that's, like, probably one of the best things about that, the movie is that relationship. And, like, even at the end when Sue Ellen finds, I mean, sorry, Rose finds out that Sue Ellen's been lying to her for, you know, she's still, like, you're really talented. You know, call me in a few years when, you know, you've saved the, I mean, she ends up saving the company because it's a movie. And well, I what think happened. she offers her the ability to stay on as her yeah. assistant, but... Um, she turns it down to go to college first. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is that Sue Ellen goes into this unsure about whether she wants to go to college. And by the end, she just decided that, you know, she, 
Like, it wasn't a terrible experience for her. Like, it was draining to be in charge of the entire family. But, like, the whole working experience, I don't think she hated that. And I think she was interested on in, like, developing as an adult instead of just, like, you know, going to the beach every day or whatever, you Isn't know. Isn't it interesting how quickly she just switched on, like, I'm the parental yeah. figure? Like, yeah. she put on her mom's power suits and, like, <laughs> got the car keys and just, like, I have to go to work. Yeah. Got to get the alarm goes up and I have to go to work to make money for you. And then, and then now she's in the position of coming home and nobody's done everything. And mm-hmm. her siblings are stealing the money out of her purse and ordering like state of the art entertainment centers and diamond rings for, so their, dated. for their 12 year old girlfriends. And I think he was 14 was the, it's not the, so, the, it's not so the state middle of the child. art anymore. Yeah. That entertainment center. <laughs> It's got a kick-ass Sony TV and a VHS. Well, and then the interesting thing is, you know, paralleling Sue Ellen's sort of growth is her brother, Kenny, who starts out like just a like freeloading, pot smoking, drinking with his buds, driving around town. Do you remember what he does the first time she tells him to do the dishes? Oh, yeah, he takes out the dishes and shoots them with the shotgun or yep. a BB gun. With his buddies yeah, on the roof. On the roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dishes that's, are done, that's man. That's what he is in the beginning. <laughs> and then he has a wonderful flowering. Yeah, yeah so he, I mean, like, he's home with the kids. Um, they flipped a coin to decide who was going to get a job, and Sue Ellen got the, got the job. So he's staying home to take care of the house. And, you know, at first the house gets worse and worse and worse. But then, like, he's around all day, I guess, bored. Um, and starts watching Julia Child on PBS or whatever, and first so, it's pancakes, yeah, all or the waffles pan- or waffles. waffles. Sorry, it was yeah. waffles. It's waffles. Yeah, <laughs> all the waffles all the time. And yeah, so slowly he becomes uh, a chef, um, you know, and it takes more responsibility on, you know, helps the kids, helps out with the kids more, you know. And then there's this great scene where Sue Ellen's had a hard day at work and she comes home and uh, Kenny has like cleaned the whole house and um, and like she's three hours late because she's trying to save the company um, and they have this great like it's the scene you've seen a million times yeah. in movies between the the, <laughs> the husband and the wife and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should have called you should have called I waited up three hours three yeah. hours it was ready three <laughs> hours ago and I just don't feel like you appreciate me anymore <laughs> I work so hard all day long for you and the kids and only it's her brother. It was, it's, it's, it's a pretty funny scene. Um, I mean, it's been done before, but it's yeah. funny. It works well. So I, I guess like the, the sort of the, the crisis that wraps everything up is that um, the company is failing. Um, they're trying to get uniforms as part of, they say the school board so i assume they want all la schools to have uniforms and that's going to save the company which it probably would that's a lot of uniforms that's a lot of uniforms um but it gets voted well the kids find out about it and they don't want uniforms naturally speaking and Sulan's like i could have told you that if you just asked me but no one asked me that um and so the company is going to go under because yeah. of losing this contract so sue ellen using her sort of fa- interesting fashion sense um you know, decides to sort of redesign their line to make it more attractive to instead of young people, uni- yeah. instead of just uniforms for people, it's it would be like attractive fashion type things. 
And so she designs a whole line of stuff that, um, and then they decide to have a, a fashion show, which she has no petty cash to rent a venue for. So she they used the petty cash. Yeah. She embezzled the petty cash. She <laughs> well, never her did, brothers and sisters. She never stole did. It, well, but, she took it. Yeah. They took it from her. Yes. So um, they use their house. So they clean up their entire house, and like their house is really nice once it's clean. Like it looks like. At the beginning of the movie, it looks awful. But That's like as soon as they clean it up, it's actually a really nice house. It just was buried under all this like garbage and stuff, little pieces of paper all over the floor. Um. Got Kenny <laughs> catering it, and uh... yeah, he does the catering, and um, the kids, and um, I think her her one of her sisters is on a baseball team or a softball team, yeah. and so they wear the uniforms. Um, and they serve as the like the waiters for the event, and then they clean up their pool, and you know, so it's a big like, you know, montage of them cleaning and and making things shiny and new, you know, because every movie needs a every movie like this needs a montage, and that's the montage there. So, <laughs> and the make it or break it show showcase at the end, yeah, that everything is hanging on. But again, that montage I think would be a lot better if they had some like you know. How would you rescore this movie? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, like, definitely some Guns N' Roses, which would be expensive, but um, I don't know. I mean, like, it seems like for the scenes with the um, with the brother, they could do, like, Pantera or something like that. It's too early for grunge, but I think that sort of, like, that sort of, like, heavy stadium rock would be mm -hmm. the kind of thing that you would want for this, you know. It could really, it could really, like, jazz things up some... <laughs> <laughs> it's true i didn't really give this the soundtrack a second thought but you yeah. said a number of times now how disappointed you were that the music wasn't better yeah well it's fun because i remember that one song but like every time <clears throat> it's an unusual experience for me to to like watch something and and realize that the music is wrong it also has a lot of that terrible sort of like this is like the thing in the 90s, like you had to have a film score, but like the film score was like really generic and like it was like, here is an emotional note, 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 you know, um, I don't know. It didn't, that's not how we score movies now, I don't think. Are there movies where they still do that sort of like... I don't think we see those movies. Yeah. I mean, like if you think <clears throat> about... Um... um What's the movie with, uh, like, the Brat Pack movie with Demi Moore and St. Elmo's Fire? St. Elmo's Fire. Like, that, I always think of the music in that because, like, it's constant. It is unending, like, da 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 You know, it's like, and there's a little bit of that. It's not as iconic as the music from St. Elmo's Fire, though, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, I think that moved away from being in movies and started being on TV. Yeah. And then even on TV, they stopped move. They stopped doing it. Now they have the like, like the end of the show. They have pop song with with voiceover, a la Grey's Anatomy or whatever, you know. But for me, this one, this really, I don't know. It was an unusual thing for me to be like, yeah, if this had. Like a killer early it was 90s totally rock score. To me. Yeah. I didn't even notice yeah. it. Yeah, it, I mean, like, the thing is, it, it looks like it. So, and like the teen attitude, it, it really could have worked, I think. It was a very MTV era movie, yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. 
And it was just, well, I mean, if the real world was just starting, it was just as they were making that well, transition but the, from... So it's funny because the title did, does it so much disservice, <laughs> like this title they came up with, because the real world is a better movie for this film. Yeah. That's what it's about. That's the movie they set out to make, is they, about a movie where a teenager with who has four siblings has to go out and earn some money over the summer instead of having fun and blowing everything off. She enters the working world and has to see what life is about. For the f- That's not what you think you're getting with yeah. don't tell mom <laughs> the babysitter's dead. Like well, how did they ever? I don't I don't know why the dead babysitter frame story was necessary. Like I think you could have gotten to where we got. I mean cuz like the issue is is they just needed to not have money. And so, like, I think there's many ways that you could just not have money. There were any number of ways yeah. they could have lost the money that their mom left behind. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, their mom obviously knew them better than they thought she did because she didn't let them just hang out on their own. She did get a crotchety old baby. Like, yeah. So at least the mom's, I may be going to Australia for two months, but I'm leaving somebody as a live-in <laughs> babysitter. That's a good choice. I don't know. Yeah. But really, you just need them to be left alone for a long enough period of time that they have they have to do something about money for her to go out yeah. into the world. But that but the real world is a better title. Yeah, you know it's it's funny how we deal with money now is so <clears throat> different than so like what I want to know is like is she paying the mortgage from Australia? Um, like oh. This movie doesn't even remember that yeah, there's I mean, a mortgage. Like, I, I just, so I remember this is like a weird... There's no thought given to there's bills. There's a weird like guy, a, yeah. Well, she mentions bills, Really? Because yeah. I feel like all that she's concerned about is making sure they have groceries. Yeah. Like, there's, do they talk about paying the electric bills or anything? I don't know. There must have been some way you could there was set no, that up. That I mean, okay, so what I remember about this... But this is 1991 and the mom's in Australia. You think the world is set up where you could pay your bills? So in the early 90s, we... My family helped a family friend of ours. They had just gotten a divorce. Um, They were relocating to Florida. So we went with them, drove with them, um, like as a caravan with their U-Haul and a car with us. And we were helping them move into their new apartment in Florida. So on this trip, my dad had this bad habit of going into the ocean and losing his glasses. And my dad cannot see, Yeah. could not see. I mean, his vision was as bad or worse than mine. So he cannot see like at all <laughs> without glasses. So we had to get a new pair of glasses at a lens crafters in Florida. So all this to say, it was the early 90s. We didn't have direct deposit yet. So my dad's paycheck was sitting in his mailbox. Physical paycheck. At the school where he worked. And we were in Florida. And buying those glasses, like, wiped out their account to a level where they couldn't spend any more money out of that account. So, like, we drove all the way back from Florida using a Sitco gas card. Um, so we just stopped at Sitco. I think we also had a Chevron gas card. So we, so used, we basically had to eat at the, the yeah, grocery store. We ate it at the convenience stores that we found along the way. My parents had to be like, you know, we don't have cell phones then. So they had to be like looking for Sitco and Chevron gas stations the whole way back. Okay, that's, that's making me stressed <laughs> out now. 
So, I mean, like, I'm just thinking about this, like, how do they pay their bills? I mean, like, does she, I don't know. Um, but money is a different thing Don't be worried about nowadays. more than the screenwriters were worried yeah. about. <laughs> money is a much different thing than it used to be. Um, After all, this is a world where you can just uh, leave the body of a dead babysitter in yeah. front of the funeral home with a note. Well, and that her, their mom just gave the babysitter an envelope full of cash. Like, here's an envelope full of cash. Like, don't lose it, you know. That's scary to me. Like, the amount of money to keep a household living for two months in an envelope that someone could lose, which they did, you know. <laughs> you it wouldn't do that. You wouldn't it. do that now. You just send stuff via PayPal. <laughs> Venmo. <laughs> this iconic poster really has nothing to do with the movie. No, it's it all doesn't. This, it's it the doesn't. setup that explains the title, but that it's all it's the setup. The movie's named after the setup. It's so yeah. strange. <laughs> the other thing that I don't love about it is like I think the ending's a little. I mean, like I know they had to wrap it up somehow, but it's a little like, mur, mur, you know. Well, <laughs> I mean, it was. I felt that way from the point you have. Um, Sue Ellen can instantly come up with the fashion line and revolutionize this industry and this company and throw this fashion show together and everything. That, mm, yeah, that's not the best thing. No, well, and then the fact that it gets interrupted by her and then her mom, her young boyfriend, to, and then her mom comes. and her mom has to show up during it's, yeah this it's world too of much. the movies where everything happens at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> we were just watching that in The Fugitive. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> where, like, the, the... They go to a party where all the stuff is happening. <laughs> yeah, like, towards the end, they, like, that whole last confrontation plays out at the, like, lecture, or what, I mean, at the corporate lecture about that pharmaceutical. Yeah. Talk. Like, the, that the just they, happens to be going yeah. on the day he runs into town and, like... <laughs> and solves the crime. Yeah. And figures out the, the yeah. So, I, yeah, that's, it wasn't the greatest thing at all oh but you know what (laughs) isn't there a pleasure in movies that are just okay and sometimes just phone it in i mean because there's so much that works here sometimes it's not (laughs) just giving a movie a pass because other things work there's also sometimes genuine pleasure in movies that are a little rough around the edges yeah like where you where you can just kind of go like oh you know and then they're gonna have this scene you know i don't know that's that's part of the movie-going experience, too. You know, in the wrapping everything up, one thing that I think is fascinating is the the receptionist, which, again, I forget her name, and David Duchovny, um, they're at the party, and they, they finally are able to prove that Sue Ellen is not who she says she is. And they're, like, so excited that they punked an 18-year-old. It's like, <laughs> like, they don't recover. They don't get a redemption story. They're just, like assholes that like punked an 18 year old like she's 17 too. yeah yeah <laughs> and basically um her boss joanna cassidy just kind of shrugs yeah and it's like well she's great so yeah anything else you guys are really petty i would have expected yeah. she was like this. i still don't like you <laughs> yeah. it doesn't change anything so i mean i think that receptionist should get a job somewhere else um it just doesn't seem like it's working out for her very well <laughs> I just want to say that the name of the company is Gaw. Yeah. Which just makes me, like, it, it's kind of a throat noise. It's yeah. like a Gaw. 
<laughs> but it stands for General Apparel West. Yeah. <laughs> I just love, like, the icon and the logo everywhere. Gah. Well, that's another thing that's interesting is, like, people... I mean, like, there's, like, sort of, like, a misunderstanding of, like, the fashion industry. Like, there's this, like, separation between, like, the high fashion and, like, what people wear every day and uniforms and all the sort of utilities that are involved in, like, what people actually wear on a day-to-day basis. Like it's not high fashion. Somebody has to make the scrubs and somebody has to design, you know, and the thing is, is that... Somebody designs waiters' uniforms. I love the, like, the, the designer guy that... That they, you know, here's our chief designer, and he just works in like the on the floor, which you know, yeah, it's not like a high fashion house. He's, but you know, there's like design and thought that goes into everything that is created and produced, and I think that's a cool thing um, about it. I also one other thing that I really like about this movie is that like the people look so normal. Like this isn't like airbrushed, well-lit. I mean, like, people don't have white teeth. And, you know, they just look like normal people. They look like normal kids. Not everybody's hair is coiffed. And, you know, I mean, like, I forgot that there were movies that... Like, we used to use make movies with people that look like like regular people people. instead of these, like... I mean, and now, like, you can't even... Like, no wonder everybody has a complex. Like, if you look at TV... I'm picturing Disney sitcom teenagers. Yeah. Well, or, like, I think about House, uh, which is a show that I love to watch. And everybody is so freaking gorgeous. Like, have they, like, the most gorgeous actors... You know, it literally has one of the most gorgeous casts on that. Yeah, there was yeah. On TV. That there. I mean, same thing with Grey's Anatomy. There aren't normal looking people on that show. Everybody is like beautiful or, or striking, like, supernaturally or, striking people. Yeah, and like it's sometimes it's nice to watch. That's we watch a lot of indie films, which have a lot more normal looking people, and and it really makes a difference. You know, I mean, Christina Applegate is is a very attractive person, but she's not like unattainably so you know i mean i don't think linda cardinelli is either i think they have sort of an approachable attractiveness that you know that some people that a lot of people on tv just don't have and i don't know if if it's just like we're like looking for that and we only are hiring like super attractive people more than we used to or is it just that people can like our cosmetic adjustments are such that people who look kind of normal but hollywood was becomes, always casting like that wasn't yeah it? I, well i mean but there are but movies indie like films, well this is a b movie so yeah, you know yeah <laughs> indie films cast r- real people more mm-hmm. often yeah people who look like real yeah people. it's true but like I, I don't know it's it it it's I like it when, you know, I notice that their teeth aren't eight shades too wide and, you know, you know, not everyone has the perfect eyeliner and, you know, all the, you know, Rose is beautiful and glamorous, but she's not like, you know, airbrushed or or anything, you know, I don't know. That's, it's something, something nice about that. Yeah. All of the, of, um, Sue Ellen, Sue Ellen's siblings just look like regular kids. Yeah. Kids next door. <laughs> I'm, got the I'm pretty boy, sure that those softball kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they've all, um, you know, those actors. I think I've seen in all sorts of like films from the '90s with so kids. So Kenny them. looked really familiar, but I don't know. I'm sure he must have played the brother in other movies. Yeah, around I think that so. Time. Yeah. Um, Keith Coogan. 
But yeah. the name didn't... I, I just recognized his face. Mm-hmm. Is he related to... No, I don't know. Don't know. Anyway. So, um, I don't know if you already covered this, but you made a comment the other day when we were watching this that for some reason you think about this movie yeah. pretty often. Like, it just comes to mind. And I was wondering if you can recall any circumstances or what 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 triggers it for you what you're what, what do you think of when you think how does it come to mind why is it there right around the corner i don't know something it must be something about is like it? finding out that you're more capable than you realized uh-huh. or something like that Or just Are there very many movies with teenage protagonists who have that experience? Girls, I mean, not girls. You know, I, I like there's plenty of stories of like guys because you don't have up. girls yeah. succeeding like this or or very often. Yeah, I think that that must be part of it. That like. Also, it has that wonderful fake it till you make it kind of yeah. sensibility. Well, there's this, I mean, like, they keep setting up these, like, the petty cash thing, but that doesn't end up, I mean, like, that, nothing, like, people understand her good intentions and what she's trying to do. Yeah, she, and, like, she cuts corners, but she's never treated like a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, it just like everything you see the harm, but she's able to avoid it. Like there's the, you know, the evil receptionist who's trying to bring her down and she's able to avoid that. And the terrible, um, lecherous, uh, boyfriend of her boss that's trying to get, get, you know, and there's the stealing. He's creepy, but he's quite ridiculous, I have to say. And then the steal, he drinks white wine spritzers, but, um, which that's one of the details I had noticed that I loved is the waiter when he orders a white wine spritzer makes this face. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> You're like the waiter hates the drink order they just gave. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know the the sense of like being able to find yourself through accidentally just through experiences that you have. I mean, I guess that's that's sort of how things happen is that you fail until you figure it out or in failing you figure out where you're supposed to be and I like that yeah I mean not that Sue Ellen failed but in that I don't know she found an interest she found a direction she found a purpose you know and I, I don't know I like that huh I'm curious if there are other movies like this that I blew off at the time or just never <laughs> gave a second thought to that actually make for fun viewing now. Not, certainly not Problem Child. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to see that. <laughs> Although I love John Ritter, you know. John Ritter was great. Yeah. All right, well, do you have any other thoughts about uh, Sue Ellen and her wonderful rise? I mean, it makes me want... So I kind of want to... Based on this, I want to show you some other stuff that Christina Applegate's been in. Okay. Um, she did a sitcom called Samantha Who, which was enjoyable. Um, 
Well, we've already devoted much of this podcast run to uh, the works of Laura Dern, so we could also do the works of Christina Applegate. Yeah, and, (laughs) you know, interestingly, thinking of, just as a side thing, thinking of Married with Children, is that I heard a Fresh Air interview with um, the actress that played the mother, Katie Sagal. Katie Sagal, yeah. Yeah. Peggy was her name on the show. Yeah. And she is fascinating. Hmm. Like, that interview is fascinating. And she's really talented. And then, so that, based on that, I started watching Sons of Anarchy, which is a show that she is on where she plays the sort of matriarch of a biker gang family. And, like, it's very interesting. And it's very Shakespearean. And Mm. the first couple of seasons are very good, I think. Later, it kind of falls apart. But that's, that's what shows happens that way sometimes. But it stars... The English guy from Undeclared, as oh, yeah. the as okay. the son of okay. the of the um, of the leader of of right. the biker gang, and it's I don't know it's it's really interesting. He's a great actor too. So I mean, kind of related, but um, some other media to p- potentially okay. check out sometime. Well, I feel I don't often pull out the guilty pleasures on this show, so maybe I'll have to think about uh something if i have yeah, any equivalent you tend to follow up my guilty pleasures with something like seven samurai or something like well, that well we already did that so. yeah i know <laughs> we gotta watch rules of the game now or something <laughs> we have never watched uh, <laughs> have any genre noir movies I know, whatsoever so. <laughs> okay well it's a tough act to follow the joy of pure guilty pleasures you know, and, and Dave gets like 80 downloads for every one of my guilty pleasures. It's fine. <laughs> what? No, I don't. No, I don't. Oh, this is a strange show. I yes. mean, we're making a podcast where you can, you're just as likely to review eight and a half as you are whatever, Beverly yeah. Hills Cop or something. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so um all right well thanks for listening uh we will be back yeah soon yes <laughs> i i've started to not make promises about when because yeah. sometimes we're putting them out two weeks apart sometimes they're three weeks apart sometimes they're back to back one that's week true. apart that's true which are we doing this time i think it goes out tomorrow we just, okay yeah yeah so we'll be back on schedule back on schedule our schedule this means nothing to you guys so all right well thanks for listening and we'll be back soon and it's my turn to pick next time what will i pick you'll have to tune in rules of the game not rules with the (laughs) not rules of the game no no you haven't you also haven't seen grand illusion or the river that's uh, there you go well we definitely need to watch those next (laughs) kieslowski something maybe We'll watch all of the Decalogue next. Let's, we'll, we'll watch the Decalogue next. Okay. okay. I still haven't finished the Decalogue. I, I think know. I've seen six of the Decalogue. I've seen the end of two of them. So. There's whole commandments that I haven't yeah, experienced that's yet. That's right. Okay. Bye, guys. Thank Bye. you. Bye.